it's Chanel. Hey, hey, it's Chris. Welcome back to another episode of Same, Same, But Different. Yes, welcome back. In true SSBD fashion, we are going to open up with a check-in around how we are feeling. Chanel, today I am, I'm feeling anxious yet ready. Mm. This, today's, particularly around today's topic, I am ready to have this conversation. Um, and I've, because I've been wanting to have this conversation for quite some time, mm. but I'm also anxious because there's just this, this conversation can be heavy. Uh, and there's a lot of moving parts around this conversation and emotion and, and all the things. So but it's also like, I just don't know what's going to come up from this conversation. So um, kind of like, can we hurry up and get on with it? <laughs> well, way to be direct. <laughs> I appreciate your enthusiasm, sir. Um, I think I... I feel open, like mm. very much like in the flow. And I think if there was a word, it's just like the surrender to all the things mm. and just like be in the flow. Like, cause I know what we're about to talk about and I know that I want to control it. And so I'm just trying to stay in a place of being open and knowing that we've done the work, like I've done my work or I'm doing my work. And so, you know, all the things, all that, it feels like really like, deep foreboding and foreshadowing for like what's about to come it's not that serious guys um today today we're talking about saying goodbye actually right before we were getting ready to start this podcast um the universe was trying to tell me something and i was trying to ignore it because accountability and adulting sucks um but i literally every device that i had was like running out of storage at exactly the same time my phone was like counting seconds for every video I tried to record. My computer was like, Shoo. my email was yelling at me. Gmail, was, which I don't understand why they do that. Gmail is sending me emails about the fact that I don't have space for emails. And I was like, do you, does anyone else see the irony in delete your email first? Okay, great. That's space. Um, but just all of these things were happening at once. And it was like, trying. I was like, what is what is going down, what is going on and slowing me down and all of these crazy things. And I really fought it hard uh, because I was like, I'm busy. I don't have time for this, blah, blah, blah. But I really finally <clears throat> surrendered and sat with it and realized, had to sit with this moment of how much baggage I was carrying in the space of like storage. Um, and I... I am really good at holding on to things just in case, you know, and I think this is like, just being really honest, this is like, I, I'm not blaming my parents, but I think it's a result of, you know, parents growing up in a third world country, right? Like the reality, something can always be repurposed. It can always be recycled. You never know when you're going to need it, have your stuff, have your documents, whatever. So I was really good at like creating folders and I would just like tuck them away or hide them in the, you know, back of my Gmail or whatever. And I realized that I had to, I had to 
asked myself a question. I finally got to the point to ask myself a question because I was like, do I still need this? And it was like, is holding on to that part of the past worth not having something new in the present or in the future? And it was just really sobering to think about like how many documents from old jobs or old college papers because I'm totally going to go back and read those again. Or all of these like old photos from like 10, 15, 20 years ago. Also, they're backed up in a Google Cloud. Um, but like, why are they still on my phone? You know, not literally, but, you know, just things rolling over. And it was just like such a slap in the face because all of this stuff at the same time. And it was like, you have to say goodbye. You have to let go of those memories. You have to close the door on some of these chapters. You have to rip the bandaid off, you know, because there are some things that I like thought I'd process, but you don't know if you've really like processed until you have to sit in it again and like potentially either full on commit to deleting emails or read them again. And can you weather all the feelings? So anyway, all of these things happen at the same time. And it just brought up all of these feelings around when do we say goodbye? Because of course I'm talking about documents and photos, but it's also all of the memories and the people and the situations that go with those. And, and what does that mean to close the door and you know, close the door on that chapter, turn, turn the page, but all the bad analogies that I can't think of right now. So it's rough. Yeah. I, I love your everyday example of attachment and the opportunities that are in front of us to let go of things and to say goodbye to things, even if those things are different versions of ourselves. And even if those memories are delightful ones that we enjoy, it, it's, it's the memory, the attachment to it that I know for me at least ends up getting in the way, especially when I talk about when like you mentioned being in the present. Like I loved how you said that. Like, am I going to be so attached to this thing in the past that I'm going to miss out on the availability of storage for the present or even the future? I think that's a really great um just mindset to sit with. And as you share that, it makes me think of there's this Hawaiian philosophy called Ho'oponopono. And oh. yeah, I, if you've never heard of it, I encourage you to look it up. Um, if you're like me and, and you like things that are tied to cultures, you like things that um, are, are different in the way of how we navigate the human experience. I think you would really like the Ho'oponopono um, way of life and it's a powerful one but essentially there is a doctor dr hugh len who um ho'oponopono while it is a cultural culturally hawaiian philosophy that many people practice dr hugh len uh is known there's youtube videos of him he teaches ho'oponopono from the space of individual empowerment and the things that we can do to uh clean up our lives if you will and a lot of that is realizing what he calls like the memories, he calls them data. Mm -hmm. And we have to scrub the data. We have to clean the data because those old, well, even if they're good memories, they're, they foster attachment. And yeah. the, the, what I love about what you shared and what I'm getting from this is that, oh. that I think one of the biggest experiences, lessons that I've had around death and what made me really think about the life that I live and, and how I, if I ever have the pleasure of being on my deathbed, and I say pleasure because an opportunity, I think the deathbed gives you an opportunity to reflect 
and maybe to make amends, things like that. And all of that typically rooted is, is rooted in data. It's rooted in this, these memories that we have and that we're attached to. And I always question why do some people get a deathbed versus like, why do some people just die in their sleep or die abruptly? Right. Um, but I think even when we talk about saying goodbye, I just can't help but relate that to death and or times I've had to say goodbye when I may have not been ready. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. I think it's, I think it's really hard. I think one of the, the really interesting things for me, even as you say that, like, is understanding where, what the root of that is for me. Like, and, and a big part of that is just the fear, right? So whether it's something as, you know, kind of mundane or uh, run of the mill, I, it felt like a conspiracy when all of my devices were doing it at the same time, but like as, as running out of space and data, but my fear and understanding that it's literally a fear that I will forget. Or, you know, I think, I think for like paperwork and stuff, it's always like, oh, that I'll need it or an email that I'll need receipts or something, you know, especially, you know, maybe one day I'll write a memoir or something and need to prove how ridiculous the stories of, of the past were, but like, it's the fear, like the things, especially the, the sweet special things, it's the fear that I will forget them, you know? So for me, often photos are a reminder of a thing, you know, like I, I know I'll do it. Like sometimes I'll, take pictures of meals or something while I'm out or chat and you know, I love a good chai. Um, and so, but like, it'll trigger what we were doing or where I was or who I was with and like kind of almost illuminate the rest of the experience for me. And I don't want to forget that. And especially as someone who has lived too long, trying to be in the future and running from the past and like trying to mm. be everywhere, but the present, uh, having those, those, things reminds me of what I've experienced, especially when I'm, you know, especially kind of in the space now consulting, it's like 16 different projects at the same time that I am reminder of who I am and what I've done and experiences that I've gone through. And, um, and it really, truly an opportunity for growth to like, look back and be like, Ooh, you're a 22 year old self handle that like that. But girl, aren't you proud that you didn't flip a table today or lose it today? And so it's, it's that fear, but it's, I literally have to go through the process of like quiet or not so quiet reassurance of like, it's okay. You are looking forward. You want more forward than, you know, behind and it's, but it's naming and speaking to that fear literally as I hit delete. And then I play this game where I hit delete. And then I was like, it's in the trash for 30 days. It's fine. I've got 30 days just in case, which is the most ridiculous thing. I never go back because I I haven't looked at those things in 10 years, but you know, just all the fear and, and, and things around that. Like, why am I so attached? And, and. Hmm. Well, let me just find out that Chanel at 22 is out here flipping tables and stuff. (laughs) No, probably emotionally, not. (laughs) In your imagination. Like, yeah, no, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some people that I was in a room with that were like your energy and your face and your tone. Actually, I totally had a friend, uh, a friend uh, that told me, I think a year or two afterwards, it was like, there was a period where you would get really upset with us and it you would give us this look 
we talked about it. You give us this look and it literally felt like you were cutting our souls. And I was like, don't be dramatic. And they were like, but then, I, I mean, I had to sit with that, right? That accountability. Um, and there was like three seconds where I was like, ha, 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 ha. And then I was like, is that really the experience you want to leave people with? Like, you know, there's a range of emotions, but yeah, no, not flipping tables physically, but apparently all sorts of damage emotionally, which, you know, you just try to like leave less carnage in your wake and be more intentional and get to the heart of things and, you know, whatever. Anyway, I'm so glad for growth and I'm sorry to whoever I hurt. Yeah. Well, now we know why you prep us for your loud facial expressions. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the warning. it's coming guys oh, yeah. uh, no i i love that and i think that you know the just the layers of, of attachment in, in that you know it just makes me think of in, in my life i've had these experience where they i i did have lots of growth and it was empowering and this one particular there was a relationship around it uh which kind of stabilized all those other experiences of growth and empowerment for about six years of my life six Mm -hmm. very important years of my life because i was looking for that i was open to it you know it's Mm -hmm. i was you know done with my um 20s and i'm you know in my early 30s and i'm questioning lots of things and the meaning to life and and my place in this world and so being a part of a relationship that was rooted in growth and empowerment was uh, very pivotal for me at that time. And then that relationship was just done without any closure, you know, and that was, while that's happened to me before in my younger years, I wasn't as attached to it. I just didn't care as much. You know, it was very much embracing of like, Oh, people are like seasons. They come and go, you know? Uh, But this one particular relationship, it, it was really hard. It was really hard because I, you know, this idea of, I found myself missing this person a lot and uh, you've shared this before and I've heard it in other scenarios too. It's when we miss people, we don't actually miss them. We miss who we got to be when we were with them. And that the psychology behind that, and just even that perspective was hurtful the first time that I heard it. And I was just like, I want to know more about the science behind this and how the human condition and the brain works around this, because I'm pretty sure I missed that person. And, and when I, when, when I sat with it, I'm like, yeah, actually a big part of it was who I got to be when I was with that person. It was the growth. It was the empowerment. It was the, the roles, the access, like it was so much of that. And now that this person's not in my life, the only reason I don't have that is because of me. No one wants your truth today, sir. <laughs> are we are we are we plucking some chords here? I don't know what you're talking about. Stay in your corner. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it's ah, uh, I'm I'm salty because there's just no deniability. There's no wiggle room. There's no misinterpretation in that. Mm. It is it's me and and you say it all the time because i say so and i love when you say that and i feel empowered and i hate when you say that and i don't and this is one of those moments maybe i don't okay great thank you um (laughs) uh but it's it's that like uncomfortable to motivate you um i think i'm supposed to say thank you 
<laughs> no, no, don't thank me. Don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. No, 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 not me. <laughs> no, but I told I mean I get where you I get where you're coming from. I get those feelings and emotions of like, ugh, why does that make logical sense? But also like F you, you know, in the same breath, it's just like that, yeah. right? Like it's, I, and I, I've, I felt that before. I felt that, you know, because I had shed some tears for the loss of this relationship, and I've invested so much time and and emotional, and mental brain power around like what happened, why, why, why don't I deserve closure, you know, and wanting that closure from them so bad when when I had to just sit with, I have to give myself closure. And most of, here's the irony for me. Most Can of those- How do you do that? Sorry, go ahead. Well, Sorry, my it, bad. No, good point. I mean, and, I, and I'm still, I'm, I'm still working through that because most of these lessons around like wanting closure and, and not feeling just unfair. Like I felt like my inner child was just like, this just isn't fair. Like, why don't I get closure? Why did it happen in this way? Why don't they respond? You know? Um, wanting wanting that closure it's the irony is is as some time went by i reached out and i got a response for the first time in a long time and i just remember breaking down and just crying and like so happy to get a response and then we set something up you know to reconnect and i felt good about it but then when i just sat with it i'm like i can't i can't go back is this going to be, what is this going to be like now? I, what works before doesn't work for me anymore, you know? And do I really want this? It was, you know, this, I focused so much on wanting this closure. And what if this person wants to reconnect and I'm just looking for closure, you yeah. know, and, and where do we go from here? You know, so it's interesting because much like this, this attachment to storage or things that are memories on our computers or our devices, you know, you can put it in the trash bin and then, you know, have 30 days to reconcile, then it's gone. Right. Um, but it's still that it's that limbo area of like, until it's gone, gone, there's still this lingering. What if. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's such a, what if, I mean, I think I'm, I'm in a similar situation. Um, a really, really long-term friendship has essentially come to an end. And I, it, it almost felt like free falling uh, because this relationship had been so um, fundamental to my life, like most of my life with this relationship. And in like the grasping, I think of it, I often talk about rabbit holes, but I think of like falling down, you know, Alice in Wonderland, like just trying to like grasp at anything on the way down. And it was like, what does this feel like? And this is, and it was so many weird feelings of like, it kind of feels like when someone dies, but I can see this person, but it's broken, but it looks the same, but it's not. But like, and just all of the, the stages of grief, mm. like, and, and, oh, when I tell you deep, deep, ugly, snotty, I mean, you have been there during some real ugly fight the air crying moments, you know, um, it's the, the, the question that like, 
I, I don't even know that I have it, right? Like, so the question of how do you give closure to yourself, especially when you're not going to get closure or the closure isn't going to be what you need. Like I would, I, look, can you write it down? I'm uh, better yet. I'll take notes because I'm still trying to figure that out. I don't know what that means. And the thing that I am clear about is that I don't think this person can give it to me, but I haven't figured out how to move on. And I'm trying to like be still and be quiet. And there are these tiny things that I get along the way, but a lot of the time it just feels like kind of going in circles and not like as in I'm lost, but like more like a cycle of like, I've got it. No, I don't. I sort of got it. I got a little piece, but then I'm going backwards. And then we just kind of keep going in circles of like, I just want to get off. <laughs> I want to get off the hamster wheel yeah. um, of this, like trying to navigate the grief, you know? And, and, and I will say in, in full transparency, I found myself, you know, you kind of cycle through the, the stages of grief, but I found myself sitting in anger more. And then because I'm dynamic and complex, I got mad at myself that I was angry over this thing that I couldn't figure out because layering anger on top of anger definitely gets you to an effective, healthy solution. Um, but just like wanting to figure it out and wanting to move on really like, why am I still doing this? But it's a really long relationship, friendship that is. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have the answers and why not the, you know, the thing, the thing that I had, I think what I love where you're at right now, or, or, or I know the aspect of that, that I love that where you're at right now is the certainty around the other person, not giving you closure, you know, while I may not have a fully flushed out answer or experience around how to give oneself closure. I know that it is so powerful to know that I'm the one who's supposed to do this work for me, you know, and to your beautiful point of like, just sitting with it and sitting what you, with what you need. In my scenario, what I had to realize is I was avoiding allowing myself to feel an emotion and much like you, that what I was avoiding was the, the, you weren't avoiding this, but it was anger for me. And that anger tends to be an emotion that I avoid because of how I was raised. And there's moments where I don't even think to consider anger. Like it just is, I have a really ill relationship with allowing myself to be okay with being an angry as a, an emotion that we are all built to feel. And knowing that I can be angry, but I can control my actions around that. You know, yeah. uh, and so, and I think that's the biggest thing of why I don't allow myself to experience anger is for a fear of not being able to control that. But just knowing that I could be sitting on my couch, just angry and much like you used fighting the air, right? Fighting my pillow, but allowing that feeling to come up and to expel it in a way that actually works, right? And, you know, I, I do tend to realize for myself is that I want to because I, I have, I'm avoiding that anger, it eventually is going to come out. And I have to be really careful because once I'm in that conversation with this person and wanting closure, what I'm going to want to express is how hurt and they I, I felt by not getting closure and being dismissed uh, or feeling like I was being dismissed. And I'm going to want that person to know like how angry 
I was. And even when I think about it, how angry it makes me, you know, but it's why do I want that for that other person? What, what am I trying to get out of that versus like acknowledging for me that that made me angry? Why isn't that enough? I feel like you don't know how how common an experience is until you talk about it, right? And so I, I'm now wondering, like, is this a cultural thing for us to not be angry? Mm. You know, and I know that there's layers for me as, like, being perceived as, like, an angry Black woman or, you know, just, you know, hostile and what, like, all of that definitely plays into it. But even the space for myself, I think I intellectualized anger to your point of feeling, which you and my therapist can go sit in a corner together. Um, but, like, I, I think it was like, oh, anger tells you that there's something wrong and, and like, then you move on. Like, anger is like a, almost like a pass-through emotion in my intellectual brain. And the fact that I am still sitting in anger and I'm like, no, we went through that. Like, we hello, we see the danger. We know that there's something wrong. You can turn off. Like, let's process. And the fact that I'm still in it. And, and it's not like consistent. It's not like, you know, every day I wake up angry. But like, there are these moments where I think about things about the how things ended or dynamics of the relationships or even just like wanting to go pick up a phone and like you know because you forget certain things and be like oh this would be great and then just get angry why is this a cultural thing like do we are we not allowed to to be angry well and i wonder if it is because how i hear you saying culture i wonder if you're meaning that based on heritage Uh right and i i I would say, yes, this probably is connected to heritage and or race, but also I want to acknowledge the culture of growing up in broken homes that doesn't necessarily, that, that, it, that goes beyond color and race and, and heritage and nationality. Like I know lots of other people who grew up in homes where anger was used as a tool, um, whether intended or not. And they are, you know, they they don't share the same culture um, or heritage uh, or nationality as I do. But I'm wondering to your point, like, you know, culture being a systemic way of life. Yes, I would say this is a part of culture. And that could even be the culture around emotions and, and, and anger and, and how we grew up, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be connected to race or heritage. But I just think that there are, I mean, largely in our society, we are raised with three primary feelings and there's no depth beyond those happy, mad, sad, right? Yeah. Like, where, where do we, and I think that's the, the thing for me is I'm learning that I have to, you know, break out the, the feelings wheel and say, okay, well, if I'm angry, if that's our, one of our primary emotions, anger, um, what, what is, what really is driving that that deep emotion how do i go a little bit deeper is it frustration frustration seems a little too surface i need to go a little bit deeper yeah right? and like i'm angry because i'm sad like yeah I'm, I'm hurt you know um because i thought it was one thing and in reality i was maybe more attached than the other person yeah i was maybe more invested than the other person but I believed and or feel duped that to, to, to that, that helped foster that attachment, who that person was, I believed this thing. And so some of that anger, you know, comes from, you know, feeling foolish 
Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think it's hard. So in my in my scenario, I think I I feel disrespected and betrayed, and to an extent, foolish. Um, and I think the biggest thing is like surprised, right? Like it, it's the confusion for me that keeps me stuck. That like, how did we end up here? That's not who you ever were. And how did like, how did we end up here? And just the layers of, of the saying goodbye. And I think it's like, it's very different for me than even having lost certain family members, like, because I could still call because that is still a viable option. How do we now process this? And it's, I think in, in doing this work and sitting and trying to understand it and process and, and heal, it's understanding how much of this is about me. And I think, I think I would have always told you it's about me and like, what is my responsibility and, and what, it, what could I have done differently and what could I contribute or what do I contribute and all of these sorts of things. But I, I'm also understanding on a more um, going deeper uh, that it's, it is grieving what I thought we had. It is grieving the future that I hoped we had. It is grieving who I got to be with you. And speak, when you really care about somebody, grieving seeing you and, and doing life with you um, and no longer having that experience. And so there's just so much more nuance and layers to it. And it feels it feels at times like a whole different kind of hell to uncover a new level of grief to to think about healing this other thing like and i i just don't think we talk about what that even looks like I, we definitely don't talk about grief but we don't talk about healing it seems and when we do talk about it okay there's stages of grief but even still they're very discreet there's no space for the complexity or the the nuance or the detail that goes into it uh and you know i've you know seen friends you know that have lost people or even, even like I don't even have to talk about other people just like myself like you know my grandmother right every time red red wine comes on like that will forever be my grandmother's song and that shows up or as I get older thinking about the future that I will not get to share with her the lessons that I'm learning like I talked about saltfish fritters in one of our earlier episodes like I figured it out. I Googled it, but I, I didn't get to do that with her, hmm. you know? And so it's just, even, even in, as we, as we talk about this saying goodbye, it sounds like it happens once. Grief happens once healing happens once, but it is continuous. And as you grow, your relationship with it changes. And that is a constant evolution and a process that I, I don't think I was prepared for. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and just sharing yourself in that. That's always powerful and beautiful to see 
expression, full, full expression, you know? Um, and I, I think you're right. I think we, because of societal norms, cultural, familial, we tend to want to work through something. And then we think that, okay, boom, we, we've arrived. We come to this point. And I love what you said because it echoes um, Tabitha Brown. You know, there, um, I recently posted um, something to my story that she had said around healing. You know, um, healing isn't a one and done thing, you know, because you still can be triggered right? You still can be triggered and you still are dealing, you know, you still have to process and feel. And I think that's the power of the moment. We're always so focused on what happened in our past or where we're going that we forget that the presence is this gift and yeah. you expressing yourself in the present, you know, really just brought me back to a certain reality that, you know, it, it, these things can come up in any moment. You know, I could be you know, walking into my parents' home and my mom just made a pot of rice and it instantly transports me back to a time that I was younger walking into my grandmother's house. You know, or I've had, um, growing up, I had an aunt um, who we called her Tia out of respect because of the layers of relationship she had with my parents. And uh, while she wasn't actual a blood aunt, she was more an aunt to me than, you know, most of my blood aunts. Uh, and that's not any shade to them. It's just proximity and growing up and relationships. Um, but this particular aunt, I, um, you know, had no idea that a, a, a smell would take me back um, to her memories. And in this particular case, I had no idea it was this particular plant that she had in her home, you know? So several months ago I was visiting my sister and I was in her shower and she had some plants like hanging, um, that she had cut off some clippings and she just hanging in there and I'm smelling it. And I'm like, Oh my God, like this smells so good. Like, what is it? And she's like, it's eucalyptus. And I'm like, why did I know that? Why did I not know this was eucalyptus, you know, and the smell and fast forward, several months later, I'm at Trader Joe's and um, they have, they're selling eucalyptus. So I'm like, oh my, I'm going to buy some eucalyptus and put it in my shower. Right. And as I'm sitting, you know, in the shower, I, all of a sudden I'm thinking of my aunt and I'm like, why, why is she coming up? Why is she coming up? And I just keep breathing big and breathing. And I was like, oh, she, this was the smell in her home. She, and then when I look back, I always thought these were fake she used to have these really tall vases that were filled with long branches of fresh eucalyptus. I never thought it was real, you know, but I always smelled it. Right. And my, I mean, my only connection to eucalyptus was Vicks vapor rub, right. Which <laughs> <laughs> growing up Vicks was everywhere. And I just did, you know, I've never smelled fresh eucalyptus on its own, you know? And so that, that transporting, you know, and, and for me, I, you know, it was some really delightful memories, but also like how I'm showing up in the world, I there is a missing, you know, cause I'm like, man, if my Tia Olga was here and things to be able to talk to her and in, in from an adult perspective and what she would tell me, you know, there there is that, there's that missing, you know? And then I tried to lean on to, you know, my spiritual practices and try to, through meditation, like try to tap in and see if I can get some messages, things like that from her. Um, but I, I say all to say that, you know, what, what you shared is, is real and it is an, an on the, I, going back to, you know, our analogies, our sports analogies, it's an on the court in the game moment that gets to be possible when you are being in the gift of presence. Yeah. Yeah. 
um, I think it's a gift. And I think like, who said it? Somebody said it. I'm sure lots of people have said it, honestly. But like the fact that you even feel this deeply and have this much thought shows like how much you cared about the person or whatever the situation. Cause I think we say goodbye in lots of different ways. I think it's easiest for us to talk about people or, or maybe not easiest, but most emotional, most deeply rooted for us to talk about people. But like, you're constantly saying goodbye, right? Mm -hmm. It's either hello or goodbye, you know? Um, and how do we, how do we make space for that? You know, I think in, okay. So I also like to play Jedi mind tricks with myself in this. And I was like, well, maybe you're just done, right? Reason season lifetime. This was a really long season. Um, check, right? Like we, we did what we were supposed to do. There's a, a thing that was accomplished. And so I was like, can I celebrate that this is over? Cause now I'm like trying to like think my way out of feeling if I'm being really um, honest. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm good at that, except it's not right. But I'm trying like, so it led me down this whole rabbit hole of like, do we ever celebrate an ending of a thing? And is there a way to celebrate? Like, so if a person passes, you have a celebration of life, right? Some funeral celebration of life somewhere in there. There's, there's a celebration of a thing being done well done. Right. But where does that else apply in our relationships? And like, how do we navigate that? And how do we continue to celebrate? You know, like, what is our perspective on this? Yes, we can be sad, but again, trying, I think there's merit to it. Yes. Obviously my motivation was to outthink my feelings, but I do think there's like legit merit to do we ever just celebrate a thing for being done or is there always sadness that it's over? I think often we think of things ending, but we celebrate what we're going to, but is there ever just this is done period. Mm. And that is worth celebrating. Yeah. I think that's just a good question. That's a really good question. And I wonder even if like, if our listeners as they are engaging with this, if they have found themselves in a place where they do celebrate something ending and if they would be open to sharing with us, um, you know, in, in the DMS in the comments, um, you know, whatever that may look like for y'all. Cause I think that you, you bringing that up, it's, it's a good, it's a really great question to sit with. And I'm trying to think of moments in my life where something ending is a good thing. And I, um, one thing that comes top of mind, um, which I don't know if this is going to be favorable, but I'm going to share it because I do think it's a good thing. Um, and everyone else can make up their own minds and thoughts about it. But I, in college, um, I had the pleasure of meeting many, many wonderful people. And one of those people uh, was a really great friend and brother who could not be any more different. Um, his name was Settler Sykes. Uh, and Settler was... Um, I mean, blonde hair, blue eyes, born and raised in the South. He had cystic fibrosis. Don't, for anyone who doesn't know what cystic fibrosis is, it's also, you might hear it as CF, um, but cystic fibrosis is a, a lung disorder that you are born with. Um, so lots of fluid in his lungs and inevitably it's, it'll be the thing that kills you. Um, and usually, I mean, now there are people who are living well into their fifties with CF. Um, and that requires a lot of them as far as like maintaining their health. Um, and so 
Settler um, lived longer than that he was certainly expected. And while I knew from the moment I knew him, you know, and learned that he had CF, that he was going to pass, his passing shifted my perspective around death forever. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing growing up while people have died, I only ever experienced that from the perspective of like, I'm showing up to the funeral, never being a part of their dying process. Yeah. And being a part of the dying process is um, a really hard gift to to um, open, if you will. I do remember the first time, you know, he told me that, you know, it's it's happening. It's coming soon. Um, you know, and he invited me over. He, we used to, he used to love sushi. He's actually the one who got me into eating sushi. Uh, and so I he invited me over um, to his parents' home, where he was living. And um, I brought sushi over and, you know, I can tell there was something on his mind that he wanted to say, and he was kind of skirting by and I was just making the concessions for it, keeping the conversation going. And eventually he's just like, um, so it's going to be happening soon. Um, and you know, well, I don't know when it's going to be real soon. And I completely was just in shock as if I didn't know, right. Like it was going to happen. And I made it about me in that moment. And I was like, I'm not ready for this. And just became so you self- like me either. <laughs> so self-focused and I had to like take a minute and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I made that all about me. I can't even begin to imagine how you're feeling. Like it just was a lot. It was so overwhelming. And to and the so point- sitting in the hospital for two days with his family's dynamics, other really close two other really close friends from college, and just watching him being slowly pumped with morphine, like until he passed like that was a very surreal experience sleeping in a car not showering for two days because it just so happens on the 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 weekend in which he was going to die was also a huge football weekend for duke university and chapel hill like they were they were rivals and they were having this game or football or basketball i don't want to say it was football um but maybe basketball i don't know um and so we couldn't get into any hotels uh hotels and so the first night we just you know slept in the car the second night we attempted to go into this uh hotel and it was a horrific motel experience we didn't we did not stay in the room that we were checked in uh, and there was just a lot going on so we happily slept in our car day two um but i think that even in that moment i found myself laughing because i'm like life still goes on like Life is still lifing out here while my friend's dying. You know, there's a whole game, like no one else knows, you know, that this experience is happening. And then seeing varying levels of like his family, you know, much like me, make it about them in that moment because not dealing, being able to process feelings and emotions. It was just a really surreal experience. And after it all, literally, I, I you know, we are, on, my one friend and I who drove together, we're on our way home and we see a giant rainbow. And at that point is when he officially passed. And we got, we end up getting a text message like it's official, like they pronounced him dead. And then we see this big old rainbow. And it's just, we were like, we, you know, it, it's very mind numbing, you know. And then I, I, I come home and I shower and I am just like, I need a minute just to soak this in and, B and I get a call from my mom and she's like, what are you up to? I was like, I just got home from Chapel Hill. And she's like, okay. She's like, well, um, my, my, one of my nephews 
other grandmother was in the hospital. She's like, she's in the hospital. She has cancer. They don't know how oh, she has left. And I'm like, what? Like this, like, that's crazy. She's like, we're all heading to the hospital. Um, she's like, take as time, much time as you need. But I know, he, you know, your nephew would love to have you there. Um, and so I got my stuff together and I, I went there and, and then I just couldn't help but think about like, what is my nephew going to go through and, and how can I use these lessons? Like there's, I just, for me, it, there has to be a reason why I'm having these experiences. There has to be lessons. Like, I just don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe in happenstance and the timing of it all, you know? So I found myself very much on the court in the game, trying to discover who I can be for him. And I ended up discovering who I needed to be for myself in all of that. Um, and I'm so grateful for Settler because not only did he struggle with cystic fibrosis, he struggled with alcoholism and he is in such a better place. Like to our earlier conversation of like, when does something ending, when do you become content with something? When I think of Settler, there's so much joy for me in having had to know him and I was the best man in his wedding and we've done so many things together and to know that he is not suffering in the way that he was in this human experience, I, ca I can't help but be happy knowing all that he experienced and went through, you know, and with my other nephew's grandma, you know, I mean, the pain that she was in with cancer, you know, it just, Yes, while I miss him, absolutely. Do I think of him often? 1,000%. Do I ask for him to be with me in certain moments of life? 1,000%. Do I feel him even when I don't ask? Yes. You know, <laughs> um, you know and, and those, are, those are all powerful. But, I, you know, saying goodbye to your earlier point, while it can be hard, it is a necessary thing that we do more often than we realize. I think it's a thing that we do more often than we realize. And I don't think that we acknowledge it and make space for it, the fullness of it, you know? Um, and I say this trying to fast track anger and not feel my feelings over mm. here, but knowing that I've been sitting in this for months, right. And I'm still processing and, you know, still asking questions and my sweet, sweet therapist still, you know, going through all the things to like, try to figure it out. It is, it is a process, but we do it all the time. You know, I think, I think there's degrees to it. You say goodbye when you're leaving from dinner or, you know, leaving for the night and there's an expectation, like, you know, which actually I'm really surprised we didn't do this and thinking about it, but like the etymology of what it means to say goodbye, right? Mm. Like, and the different ways that you say goodbye, there's like this, oh yeah, I'll see you later. Bye. But like, there's the, almost the expectation, the arrogance that I will get to do, <clears throat> get to say hello again. Right. And like, would you say goodbye differently if you knew that that was it? You know, and one of the other things that I was mm. kind of playing around with, with this is like, would you want to know the end? Would you want to know goodbye was goodbye? Like, would you want to know the end of a thing was coming? And it's crazy because I was asking myself this and I was like, I don't know. Cause I don't think it would be the same, right? Like in, in my head, I'm like, yes, I absolutely do because I want to prepare and I want to savor it and I want to say the right things. And, you know, I want to 
be in the right headspace and and be present and have all the you know eloquent words and a good face you know like um but no because it's not the same thing it's not how i would experience that person yeah but obviously you don't always get to control that but just how how do we say goodbye and do we would we say goodbye differently yeah you know i think you're i love these questions that you that you're asking right because i think they're they're definitely powerful questions and interesting enough for me i i would want to know i would want to know if this was goodbye and and why i say that is to your earlier point about celebrating life like you know celebration of life ceremonies after someone passes away i didn't realize there were some things that i wanted to say to my friend settler um until he had passed Mm -hmm. and if it wasn't for that celebration of life ceremony and his parents asking me to say something uh, which took a lot of courage i mean i it was one to write something but then two to get up and say something i mean when the pastor literally was like all right fine like does anyone want to say anything Anybody want to say anything? And then finally it's like, all right, we're going to move on. Then finally I shot up. I was like, I'll say something. Goodbye. Like, you know, it just took so much, so much courage um, to do that. And if, if you allow me uh, in an effort to honor him, I would like to share what I wrote. I've already got the tissues out. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. 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 I'm gonna do my best not to cry uh, in this. Um, I'm just not going to look at you. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So settler. We met spring of 2008, not knowing we would become close friends, brothers in life even. Worlds and cultures apart, a Southern man and a Puerto Rican Yankee come together to create one of the most impactful and delicious friendships I've experienced. From RAs to roommates, late night cookings and combos, holidays, weddings, birthdays, oh, and lots of sushi. And of course, sake. We've shared a lifetime of movements, my friend. Settler Holden Syke, a.k.a. Dipset, a.k.a. Bieber, a.k.a. Sushi Guru, a.k.a. Sir Sleeps A Lot. I thought about what's left to say that you're now at rest. What I never thought to say until now is, thank you for accepting me throughout our friendship. You, can, you accepted people wholeheartedly. You accepted who I was being, when I was being, how I was being. Thank you for being a calming force in my life. Thank you for being you. You've got a friend in me, always. I miss you just as much as I love you, Dipset. Thank you for pouring. Um, This is something I said to his family, but like, thank you for pouring into Settler. Rest well, my dear friend, until we meet again. You know, and it was just so much of the reflection that wanting to say something, wanting to be succinct, but also just thinking of like, what did I get from from my friendship with him? And a lot of it was his grace, his poise, and his willingness just to connect and be, and doing the smallest things, and which included like just doing nothing sometimes, um, and just the pre- that presence was being so powerful. So thanks for letting me share that well thank you for sharing period um i think it's i think it's beautiful i think it's a great way one to honor him and then two for us 
to have a really tangible example of what one of the many ways in which you can say goodbye. Um, I don't know what I thought I would necessarily feel at the end of this. Like normally I'm like, Oh, there's a, there's a neat bow on the end of this. And I don't know that that's the case. Um, I want to end on something better than it's hard. (laughs) Um, so, I mean, I think it, I think it can be a celebration. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do firmly believe even in the saying goodbye, especially hearing you read that about settler, it's, in the honoring of, of what was shared, mm-hmm. the time together, the space, the vulnerability, the laughter, the, the courage, all of the things, the inside jokes, like all of that, it's a beautiful honoring. And the fact that you're even considering in the, in the fact that we say goodbye so many times throughout the course of our lives, even in the course of a day, and we're not necessarily present to the magnitude of that. I think when we are present, it speaks to how impactful that relationship or that situation, job, person, you know, state, whatever was in your life. And I think that's just really important to acknowledge and and sit in. Yes. No, but this is, um, I think this is really great. And I echo just the amount of gratitude for your sharing and how you showed up And, and just thank you to our listeners for embarking on this, you know, journey and another episode with us definitely would love to hear more from y'all about what it looks like to say goodbye, you know, from an everyday level, but also your experiences with saying goodbye and maybe what you're struggling with and wrestling with when it comes to this idea of goodbye or also how you brought in to know, which I love is farewell. Yeah. Thank y'all for joining us for another episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode. It is a privilege to share our experiences and reflections with you. Our goal isn't to have you just agree with us. Our hope is that you'll be inspired to look within and consider some of the same questions and perspectives for yourself. We invite you to continue to curate a brave space for yourself, exploring and embracing your growth and celebrating your power, ownership, peace, and joy. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram and Facebook at ssbd.thepodcast. We look forward to connecting with you. Follow and share the podcast on all major platforms. And if you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast as that helps us grow.